Welcome to Ginspired, brought to you by theginshop.ca. This podcast will take you on a journey into the world of gin, where you'll experience this versatile spirit in ways you never thought possible. Now the host of Ginspired, Heather E. Wilson. Hello and welcome to Ginspired, where we talk about and celebrate everything about the wonderful juniper lace spirit called gin. And on today's episode, my guest is Susan Epstein, one of my very best friends, super business coach for coaches, therapists, and healers, and a fantastic cook. Welcome, Susan. So happy you're here. Happy to be here. Yay. I'm super excited because today Susan and I are going to chat about her experiences cooking with gin along with her own personal journey with gin. But first, as with all episodes, let's start by sharing what we are drinking today. And Susan, because you're the guest, you get to go first. What are you drinking? So, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. So, I'm having a um, gin and tonic. And my gin is Sapphire. Mm -hmm. Bombay Sapphire. Bombay Sapphire, yeah. And my tonic is Fever Tree Uh, Light. Light, the refreshingly light. Refreshingly light one with a slice of lime. Mm. And a very tall highball glass. Awesome. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, it's an absolutely perfect summer drink for a very hot day. 82 degrees here in Connecticut. Yeah. Crazy. So I'm drinking this today. Yeah. Yeah. So my drink is actually slightly similar, but still a little different is aviation gin with fever tree Sicilian lemonade. So it's mm. like a gin hard lemonade. Mm-mm-mm. So, so, so good. It's like almost my go-to summer drink right now. And with the hot weather we've all been having, this is, it's just super, super yummy. So highly recommend Sicilian lemonade. Okay. So let's talk about you and (laughs) your journey with gin, which I know is pretty interesting. So what was your very first memory of even knowing what gin was or experience? Uh, So when I was little, probably elementary school. So like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, mm-hmm. my parents would have those, you know, 1960 dinner parties, right. Have like, you know, four to six couples over. And I remember my mom getting all the martini glasses out and they would have martinis right. with their friends. And my parents also did them on Friday night. That was like the only night they really drank if they weren't having people over. But my mother always had a gin martini with olives. And she loves, loves olives, just still does. Right. We would be like in our room and it would be bedtime because, you know, that they, the adults would st- stay longer. And we would hear them laughing <laughs> and laughing and laughing. And I didn't tell you the story before, but I just remembered it. One night they had one of those dinner parties mm-hmm. and the middle of the winter it had snowed and we had like, you know, 10 inches of snow on the ground. And I think that they had one too many martini <laughs> and they all went out and went sledding down the hill of where <gasps> my parents live. And I never had seen my parents on a sled before. I thought it was the weirdest thing because in those days, right. you know. They were probably definitely younger than I am now and not right. too much on a sled, but it was always like, that was kid stuff. Right. So it was a big part of their life, I guess. So they had a serious <laughs> gin incident. 
They had an incident. I think nobody got hurt, but my <laughs> memories, the laughter and the happiness and the and the martini glasses. And they would always like let me taste it. And I would go, ew, you know, didn't yeah. like it in this little. Yeah. All right. And so then you were of legal drinking age at some point. Yes. And did you drink gin at all? because your parents did? Did you experiment with martinis yourself? Like what happened then? Not martinis in high school. Definitely not. When I was growing up, it was 18 was the drinking age. And, you know, I think even before that, if we had anything, it would have been something like Boone's Farm apple wine. We weren't drinking. (laughs) You weren't thinking anything expensive. Right, right, right. But I think later on, like once I was of drinking age and, you know, over 18, the common drinks like in the bars then were like gin and cranberry juice. I don't Mm -hmm. even know what they're called. Or Tom Collins, right? Right. Tom Collins, classic, yeah. Gin Ricky. That's, Ooh, yeah. used, to, used to have gin rickies all the time. And those were the drinks of the seventies right. uh, when I was in, you know, between say 1978 and 80, when I was, you know, at that age in the right. summer going to bars and stuff with my friends after work. Cool. So those were the drinks. Did yeah. you have dinner parties like your parents did? I did have gin- dinner parties like my parents did. Oh, <laughs> awesome. But that was once I was married. Right. And we would have some friends over and we would have drinks. But by that time, gin had turned into vodka. So it had really changed. Yeah, it fell Um, off the radar for a while. Yeah. So I didn't really have some for a while. Yeah. Tragic. I probably did, but I was watching what other people were doing, you know. Whatever. Right. So, right. When vodka had that big upswing in the eighties and yeah. And kind of pushed gin out of the way for a little while. Right. But we're right. back. We're yeah. back. <laughs> All right. So what our listeners don't necessarily know is that Susan, you were one of my test cooks, test chefs mm-hmm. for the upcoming gin cookbook. Yes. And thank you so much for that, by the way. It was mm-hmm. awesome. And before being an official tester, had you ever cooked with gin before in your entire life ever? Never. The most I ever did with liqueur was like, if it was like one of those blunt cakes that called for Grand Manier or something, but like I had never put like gin in my food. Wouldn't have thought about it. Right. Right. And so when I approached you with my idea, did you think I was crazy? secretly think I was crazy or what were you thinking? No, I was intrigued, Heather, because you always have good ideas. So So what would you say was your biggest surprise then now that you've actually have been cooking with gin? You know, it's really interesting that you asked me that because I think what I noticed the most about all the recipes that I tasted and tested and tasted Mm -hmm. um, was that it brought a lightness to the flavor. Like it brought I don't know, mm. a different level or a different layer of brilliance. Like it enhanced everything else that I had already put in there. Exactly. So that's yeah. the thing I noticed. Yeah. yeah. And that, for mm-hmm. those listening, is exactly what gin does to a recipe is no matter what the key flavor is, mm-hmm. it boosts it. Mm-hmm. So whether you're cooking with chocolate or cinnamon or chicken or whatever, whatever you're using, it just like, just boosts it like off the chart. So yeah. Yeah. 
big thing that I noticed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And anytime I mention cooking with gin, they're like, what? You can cook with gin? Of course you can cook with gin because it's botanical based. What do you think? Most cooking has herbs and spices in it. Juniper berries, right? Juniper, like, come on. So it's a natural, it's a very natural thing to do. And I just don't know why people haven't done it previously, but we're here to change that. So what were your favorite recipes? Ooh, okay. Um, well, number one was the Cinegen Apple Squares. Right. I made that multiple times and it's one of my mom's favorite recipes. Wow. Too. She awesome. knows how to make it. Mm-hmm. And number two was the boozy guac. Guacamole. Yes. Oh, so good. That was really good. You can't, you'll never have any leftover brown guacamole if you make that. You'll eat the whole <laughs> thing. You know? I don't know if I've ever yeah. had leftover guacamole. <laughs> how many people you live with, right? Yeah. It's just me and my husband and my mom and we make like six avocados. It's, we're not going to eat it all. But if we put the gin in it, we would eat it all. Absolutely. And, yeah. And then I love the mixed greens vinaigrette. That one, oh my God. I, when I made that, I made enough for like a week. Right. So we had it on our salad for like a whole week. And then I was really sad when it was gone. So I made it again. The wonderful <laughs> thing with a recipe. You can yes. make it more than once. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. And that vinaigrette is so versatile. You can put it on so many different styles of salad. So yeah. yeah. Really good. Really good. Yeah. Awesome. And for those listening, all those recipes will be in our new upcoming gin cookbook that will be coming out hopefully soon. I'm not exactly sure what date this is being aired, so I can't tell you the exact date, but very soon. Okay, let's get back to your gin story. Tell me a fun gin story, maybe your own gin incident that you might have had at some point. Okay, I will. It's really funny because when we were preparing for this podcast, I was like, I hadn't thought about this in years, literally years. And I had actually totally forgotten about it. But when I was 19, I worked on the Connecticut River on a tourist boat that went up and down. And there was the captain and he would like say, okay, look out over there and see this, you know, landscape and look over here and you'll see this. And I worked behind the food and bar counter. And I had a bartender's license at the age of 18 or 19 Right on this boat. I knew nothing about bartending. I never had to take a class about it. It was something like you filled out an application and they just gave you this piece of paper. How'd you get a license with no training? That was no, no training at all. Wow. And I didn't know how to make anything. And people on this boat were coming up and it was in the seventies. Okay. You know, there was no vodka. There was only gin. Right. And on the boat. And then there was probably wine and beer and gin. And I don't even remember if there was anything else besides the three things. Right. And vermouth. And, you know, we had to make these martinis for people. And these are like tourists from like middle America. Like <laughs> I knew I didn't know how to do it, but I would just go boom, 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 boom and pour it in. And I think we just got a lot of people really drunk and we just didn't even know what we were doing, but it was very, very funny. It was quite funny, quite funny. Good experience. Never took it any further than the boat. Okay. There was no become a professional bartender on the side, side gig, nothing like that. My father used to crack up. He thought it was the funniest thing that I was a bartender. (laughs) And then the year before that, I was in a union for the textiles union. So I had like all this experience by the time I was 19, you know? And while you were serving, were you guys sampling like your own? No, we did not drink during work. We were really good kids. But after work, after we cleaned the boat, Mm. off the boat, we right. all went to the bar and that's where I was drinking 
the gin, the gin Rickies, gin Rickies, the Tom Collinses, right, and the cranberry juice and gin, right, Cape Cutter. So right. those were the drinks that we drank, and we would dance, and we would, you know, you know, have fun, yeah, have fun with each other, and then you know, go home, sleep, and then come back to the boat the next day. We, we worked like six days a week on the river. Right. So there's a lot of alcohol <laughs> not consumed during the boat ride, but that was, that's when we were on duty. And then after now there might've been other things happening on that boat that I didn't know about. Cause I was pretty naive, but from my own experience, I did not sample the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that we didn't talk about this before, but you were drinking vodka in the eighties and probably nineties and even maybe even early two thousands. When did you suddenly come back home to gin when i met you <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were gonna say that <laughs> no now we have like all this gin in our cabinet and i'm like hey michael make me something with that gin you know so yeah. he does that yeah it's a yeah. very like you have the bombay the sapphire one that's our favorite yeah and so we have that it's this humongous bottle i mean it's like yeah you have a 60 ouncer yeah. So we're working on it, but we're waiting for you to come visit. <laughs> yes. And I can't wait. And I totally remember the first time that I was there and I asked you, cause you said you had a full cabinet and I asked you if you had gin and you didn't. And Michael went out and got it Yes, for me. Yeah. And then we all started making Negronis and yeah. like all yeah. sorts of really fun drinks. And now you've said that he actually has like five different kinds of bitters and like, all oh, really cool. He has a muddler. Yes, he does. Which like, I got from the gin shop, by the way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I just, it's so funny. See, I have gin corrupted you all. We just say gin up. That's all. There yeah. you go. Well, that's pretty much our time. There you have it. Cooking with gins, fun, tasty, easy. Anybody can do it. Thank you so much, Susan, for being here today and sharing your own personal experiences with us. And be sure to check out our show notes for links to the ginshop.ca for all your gin-tastic clothing and gin novelty needs, including muddlers, handmade here on PEI, by the way. And until next time, remember, gin, because you don't win friends with salad. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ginspired. Brought to you by theginshop.ca. If we've ginspired you, drop us a note. Heather at theginshop.ca. We may even read your email or feature your ginspirational story in an upcoming episode. And remember to follow us on social media. Until next time, let the party be gin. <laughs>